Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're kind of winding down our series. We've been looking at the transformed life for the last, oh, couple months now as we've been kind of ending in Romans. And so today we're going to look at the last part of Romans 15 and next week we're going to look at Romans 16 and then just kind of wrap it up next week. So we've been looking at the whole issue of the transformed life and that had a basis back in chapter 12 verses 1 to 2 where Paul tells us, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice to God. That in verse 12, because of everything that God has done for us through salvation, that you give your life to Him. And then in verse 2, he then said, don't be conformed to the image of this world. Don't do as the culture is doing, but rather be transformed. The word there is metamorphosis, like as in a butterfly that has changed from the inside out Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we renew our mind? By God's Word. So you be transformed by the Word of God. And so based on those two verses, as we've been looking at the Word of God over the last few weeks, we have been looking at the whole issue of being transformed in different areas of our life. Today we're going to talk about another area that we want the Word of God to transform us in. And we're going to talk about an area that really has a significant importance for you and I because it has to do with our purpose for being here. Have you ever wondered why God created you? Have you ever wondered why He gave you life? Have you ever wondered why He saved you? That Jesus died for you? It wasn't so that you could just do your own thing. Remember the song that Brad sang? You and I were made for what? Worship. Worship who? The Blues Brothers? No. To worship God. We were created to serve God. And what we're going to talk about today is transformed mission. Because of the mercies that God has shown to us as we give ourselves to Him. See, this is the reason why you give yourself to Him. You give yourself to Him so that He can use you. Now, immediately when I start saying those kind of things, some of you start shutting me down because you start thinking, Well, I'm not ready to go to Africa. He's not calling you to go to Africa. Somebody he might, but for most of us he isn't. In fact, let me give you an interesting statistic. I just saw this this week. Do you realize what the biggest mission field in the world is today? It is in Africa. Why is it in Africa? Africa has the most more Christians in Africa than there are in the United States now. It is in China. Do you realize that China has over 3 million Christians. Excuse me, 300 million. 300 million. That's the population of the United States. The biggest mission field today is America. And who's going to reach America? Chinese? Africans? It's you and I. It's got to be you and I. So what we're going to talk about today is that God has a purpose because of what He has done for you, for you, right where you're at, right where you work, right where you live, to live your life in such a way 
that other people will see Jesus. Other people will come in contact with the Jesus you know. You can say, oh no, well now George is going to talk about that I need to be a Bible banger. No, I didn't say that either. In fact, let me just go on in the message and you'll understand what I'm saying. Look with me at verses 14 through 33 and we'll see exactly what Paul is talking about here because we're going to look at a couple things here. We're going to look at his confidence, that is his confidence in them, and then we're going to see his focus. And from his focus, Paul's focus in life, you and I will get a sense of what God wants us to do. You and I will get a sense of how God wants us to live our lives out and the purpose that we have for the life that we have. So look, look with me, verse 14. Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will dare to speak of any of those things which Christ was, has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round to Uruchum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he has not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey, to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Acadia to make a certain contribution to the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall be on my way to you, by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in fullness and in blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God, and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's look at a couple things here. First of all, we're going to understand a transformed mission on our part. If we're going to understand what our purpose is, we need to first of all see the confidence that Paul had in them. And as we look at the confidence that Paul had in them, I'm going to point out to you that these are things that should be evident in your lives because the very same God who worked in their life 
works in your life. And there's three things I want you to see, first of all, about Paul's confidence. He was confident about this, that they were filled with the goodness of God. Notice what he says, verse 14. Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness. Now, here's Paul. He's writing a group of people that he has never met. You understand? He's never been to Rome. When he writes this letter, he's desiring to go to Rome. In fact, that's what he talks about in the last part of the passage that we looked at there. He wants to go see them. He wants to go visit them. He's never seen these folks before. He doesn't know if their their name is Bill or Bud. And he wants to go see them. But here's what he says. I am confident that you're full of goodness. Now, how can he say that? It's interesting. When you look at this passage, that word goodness is the same word that's used in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. This is what Galatians chapter 5 says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. See, it's the same word. When Paul had a confidence that they were filled with goodness, he could have that confidence because he knew that as believers in Jesus Christ, they would be manifesting in their life, God's Spirit would be bringing about in their life one fruit, goodness. See, my friends, as you think about, here's the point. You say, okay, what's that got to do with me, George? Here's the point. As you think about what God wants you to do, as you think about the purpose that he has for you, as he has saved you, the number one thing that comes to my mind is the reality that when I came to Christ, the Holy Spirit entered into my life, and he is producing in my life fruits, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. Now, why is he doing that? Because he is making you into the person that he can use to reach others for Jesus. He's making you into the person that can reach others for Jesus. So, for instance, let me ask, let me explain something, ask you a question here. I'll explain my reasoning here in a moment after I ask you this question. How many of you would respond to someone, would respond to me if I started yelling and screaming at you telling you how rotten, how terrible you are, that if you don't do something, God's going to zap you. How many of you would respond to that? Raise your hand. Only one person, a couple of you. I'm shocked. But I'm actually I'm not, because statistics show that a majority don't, while a few do. I want you to, okay, that's me, George, the pastor, for a moment, acting that way. I want you to think of you now at your workplace, in your neighborhood, at a family gathering. As you share about the Jesus in your life and what God's doing in your life, who's going to respond? You? Are they going to respond to you when you're wagging a finger? Or are they going to respond to you because you exhibit in your life love, joy, peace? Do you understand what I'm saying? Here, he's saying to them, look, I am confident of this. I am confident of goodness in your life. See, my friends, you and I need to recognize that God's Spirit is working in us, making us into the person that He wants us to be. Here's the other point. Look now, 
Not only were they filled with goodness, notice what he says about them. He has confidence of this, that you are also what filled with all knowledge. The next point I want you to see is, is that they had a grasp of truth. Number one reason why people don't want to be, who wouldn't even think about being used of God, is they'll say, well, I don't have the education you do, George. I don't know a lot about the Bible. Paul says to them, look, he's never even met them. He's the apostle. He wrote half of the New Testament. Influenced a friend to write the book of Acts. And he says to them, you have all knowledge. What knowledge is he talking about? Do they have Bible degrees? No, these were poor people. They didn't have seminaries back then that they could go to or Bible schools that they could go to. What truth, what knowledge did they have? They had a knowledge of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus. They had a knowledge that Jesus came, lived among them, showed them the way to God, died for their sins, rose from the dead that they might have forgiveness and eternal life. That was the knowledge they had. Sounds like what you know already, doesn't it? See, you, he says, are filled with all knowledge. You have enough just in that to share with others about what? About Jesus. About God. You don't have to say, well, I wish I could take George with me to meet my friend. He can explain it to him. No, you explain it to him. You explain it to him from your life. You explain it to him from the knowledge you have. If anything, I'll scare them. Isn't that true? Oh, they brought the pastor. They brought the big gun in. And then they'll clam up. In fact, many times I've seen this. They'll say whatever they need to say to get rid of the big gun. Isn't that true? But if you have all knowledge, he says, and then notice one other thing here. He wants to point out to them something that's very important. He says this. Notice what he said. Able also to admonish one another. This is what I want you to grasp. This next point of this Paul's confidence is this. They were able to guide each other. Look, I need to remind you of something. Again, I'm telling you that the Apostle is writing a letter to a group of people he has never met before. And so he's telling them that he knows and has confidence in three things about their life. He has confidence about goodness in their life that comes from the Holy Spirit. He has confidence that they are able to communicate truth because they know enough about truth. They know enough about Jesus to share with others. And now he says this, I have confidence that you will be able to guide one another. You will be able to encourage one another. You will be able to give instruction to one another. Number one reason why we don't share with others about God, number one reason why we don't talk to God about others, is that we lack confidence. We feel we don't know enough. We feel we're just inexperienced. We feel, who's going to listen to us? But Paul says to this group of people that he's never met before, you are able to encourage, to correct, and to guide. My friends, can I be honest with you? Let's just make it bring it home personally to you and I. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know him as your Lord, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, a couple of things. Number one, the Holy Spirit enters into your life and he begins to work in your life to produce those fruit. Number two, you have enough knowledge at that point of truth. You know that He's Lord. You know that He died for you. You know that He forgives sins. 
You know that He'll never forsake you. You know that He's always with you. You have enough knowledge. Now, you may not have a bunch of Bible degrees. You may not have taken a lot of theology. You may not be able to explain it in such a way that a theologian or a pastor might say, oh yeah, well that's great. But you know it. And then here's what He says, and this is what you've got to listen to me. You have the ability, each and every one of you, listen to me, you have the ability, each and every one of you, to talk to someone else and to encourage them and to correct them and to guide them in their lives. Period. Some of you said, well, I can't do that because I'm not a deacon or I'm not an elder or I'm not a Sunday school teacher. Big deal. You want to know the greatest influences in my life? were men and women sitting in a pew, encouraging me, coming alongside of me when I was a young Christian, guiding me in my life. It wasn't pastors. They're too busy. It was their words of encouragement that guided me in the direction I needed to go in my life. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that they never bought into the lie of Satan that said, well, you can't talk to anybody. Nobody's going to listen to you. Nineteen-year-old boy did. And they guided him down the way that he needed to go. See, this is Paul's confidence. Can I be honest with you? It's my confidence. As I was reading this passage, I'm going to be honest with you. As I was reading this passage, I visualized in my mind you. And as Paul, I can say with confidence, I am confident that you're full of goodness. You know Jesus. You have the Spirit working in you, producing those fruits. I have confidence that you have the knowledge necessary to communicate truth. I have confidence that each and every one of you has the ability to guide, to direct, to correct. See, that's Paul's confidence. See, you and I have to grasp those two, three things there if we're going to be able to be used of God the way that He wants us to be used. In fact, before I move on to the next section where we look at Paul's focus... We've seen his confidence now. Before we can have a focus like Paul has, you've got to grasp those three realities. And let me remind you again, this is a man who hasn't met these people and he's already confident of these three things in their lives. Hey, I know you. And I'm confident of that in your life. You have the ability to do it. To be used by God where you are. Don't let the enemy rob you of that. Oh, and he will. Believe me, he will. He'll say... Well, God can't use you. Remember what you did over here? God can't use you. You don't have enough education. God can't use you. He only uses people with hair. Well, that's not true. Mine's falling out. You understand? In fact, I want to remind you of something. Go with me back to the book of Acts. Peter, John, were taken before the Sanhedrin. That's the religious leaders of the day. The educated religious leaders of the day. And they take him before them. And they're asking him questions. Like, why are you preaching in this name of Jesus? And so they're giving answers. And the Scripture says this remarkable things. It says that the Sanhedrin, those religious, educated leaders of the day, were astonished at the knowledge that these men had. Because here's the point. They recognized that they were unlearned, illiterate fishermen, except for one thing. They had been with Jesus. See, that's what God uses. God uses those kind of people. He can use you. That's Paul's confidence. I want you to notice now Paul's focus, because now he wants to share his focus, which is basically the reality 
of why he did what he did. And this is, hopefully, will motivate you and I to do what we need to do. Notice now with me, Paul's focus, verse 15, he says this, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. Here's what it is. Paul reached out because of God's grace. Listen, it gets back to the reason why you were saved. This gets back to the purpose for who you are. The purpose for who you are is not just, as we were singing earlier, that you were made for worship, worshiping God. Worshiping God, part of it is because of the grace that He was showing to you. The fact that He would save you. The fact that He would forgive you your sins in spite of you. Let me just stop for a moment. Everybody understand, you can't do anything for your salvation. I don't care if it's because you grew up in a Christian home or because you watched a certain amount of TV shows or you gave a certain amount of money. None of that means anything. It's because Jesus died for you. And He forgave you in spite of you. And so because of that grace, Paul said, and because of the grace shown to him, let me talk to you, let me tell you something, let me tell you about the grace shown to Paul. By his own confession, he was a murderer, persecutor of the church. Before meeting Jesus, he killed Christians. And then God in his mercy reached out and touched his life, forgave him. And God could take him and use him. You say, really, did he use him? Look, the Bible you hold in his hand, half of the New Testament was written by him. The fact that you are here today is a testimony of the Apostle Paul's ministry. Why? Because he reached out to the Gentiles. Everybody else was staying within the Jewish community. And Paul says, the reason why I do what I do is because God showed me mercy. God showed me grace. See, that was his focus. My friends, that needs to be your focus. That needs to be our focus. That needs to be my focus. That the compassion I show, the love that I show, is because love and compassion were shown to me. The compassion you show, the love that you show, the testimony of reaching out to others with saying, I'll pray for you, is because somebody prayed for you, because Jesus died for you. Do you understand? We respond to others because of the way God responded to us. That was his focus. He reached out because of God's grace. Don't you recognize the grace he showed you? He forgave you your sins. He gave you your life back. Somebody gave you your life back. Don't you think you'd be thankful to him? Next thing I want you to see here is this. Paul's focus was this. He wanted his service to be acceptable to God. He wanted his service to be acceptable to him. Look with me, verse 16. Notice what he says. That I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is what motivated. This is what Paul's focus was. He wanted his service, that is, what he was doing for others, to be acceptable to God. Are you living that way? We say, well, I'm, I'm not involved that heavily in church. What you, how can I do that? Look, all it means is you just living your life out and being there for others and that the reason why you do what you do is because you want it to be acceptable to God. So if it's writing a card or a note of encouragement to somebody, if it's maybe sipping somebody a 20 spot because you know they're in a deep need right now, or dropping off a bag of groceries and walking away because nobody knows you're the one that did it, but you just left it there because you know that family or that individual needed it. You did it because you wanted it to be acceptable to God because you were doing it for God. That's what Paul's motivation was. He reached out to the Gentiles because he wanted to give the Gentiles them. 
and say, Lord, here they are. My service is acceptable to you. What a motivation. Sometimes we get our motivations all messed up. But we need to get it right in the right perspective. Look, for instance, parent. I thought about this as I was, sometimes as I'm preaching, new things come to mind. And I thought about this. It's like, man, George, is your parenting, are you, are you parenting your children so that you can present your children to God? Are you shepherding the church so that you can one day say, Lord, here they are. Is my service acceptable to you? Lord, my marriage. Here's my marriage. Do you, you see the focus Paul had? Here, let me just say this. Wouldn't it be wonderful one day for you to say, Lord, here's my workplace. I live my life out so that I would be an encouragement to others. And others knew that if they needed somebody to pray for them, I was there for them. Others knew that I showed goodness. I was there for them, Lord. And maybe God will bless you and allow for some to come to know Jesus. And you can say, Lord, here they are because of my service to you. Okay, that's your workplace. What about your homes? Where Your neighborhood, Lord. Here's my neighborhood. Here's my neighbors. Yes, I know it's a pain to shovel one driveway. It sure is an even more of a greater pain to shovel the neighbor's driveway. Is my service acceptable to you, Lord? Here's my neighborhood. Here's your school. Here's your church. See, that was Paul's focus. For Paul, his focus was the Gentiles. What's your focus? Can I dare say, and I can say this because I'm right there with you, that for most of us, our focus is on three. Me, myself, and I. Isn't that true? He wanted his service to be acceptable to God. Here's the other thing. He focused on what Christ did through him. He focused on what Christ did through him. Listen, don't hold back from being available for God to use you. Don't hold back. Allow God to work through you. Then you can say, man, you won't believe what God did through me. Through me. Little old me. My friends, He is waiting to work through you. Listen, you understand God is a spirit. Isn't it interesting that God is a spirit? And he, except for in the person of Jesus who had a human body, Jesus left and he said, I send another comforter. When you and I come to Christ, that Holy Spirit lives within us. You know what happens then? You and I become his hands. You and I become his feet. You and I become his lips. You and I become his eyes. God wants to work through you and I to minister to the people around us. That was Paul's focus. He wanted to focus on what God did through him. Is that your focus? Or do you even believe that God can do something through you? He can. The question is, do you want him to? Man, I tell you what. Nothing motivates me more than being so surrendered to God to say, Lord, you do it through me. Because I know me. Oh, believe me, I know me. God worked through me. That was what motivated him. And so listen, how do we wrap this up? You and I did not get saved for fire insurance. He saved you so that you could serve Him. So that you could give your life to Him where you are in your workplace, in your homes, in your neighborhoods. He saved you for that purpose. He saved you for that purpose. Become His hands. Become His feet. Become His lips. Become His eyes. Allow God to work through you.
He wants to. That's why He saved you. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.